Welcome to Reshape, a podcast that connects you to great thinkers and change makers. My name is Rania Masri Al Khatib, and I would be your host. After a 20 year career built with passion and tenacity, I launched my own boutique advisory called the RMK Collective. In the past, my projects were always a success when the right people were empowered by the right ecosystem. I believe that energy is the fuel that creates powerful synergies and creativity. I will create for you talks from the human collective to debate and inspire you around topics and trends impacting our societies and industries at large. Together, we can learn, grow, and redefine success. Hello, Adil. Hi, how are we doing? I'm very good, and you? I'm good. I'm just happy we finally got here. I know, finally. I mean, our, our journey, I think, started a while ago. Um, although we've met and we followed each other, I don't think I totally knew what you were doing. And mm-hmm. the more I researched you and the more we spoke, um, the more excited I got to have you on the podcast because I always love to tackle reshaping transformation um, you know, journeys, um, either for oneself or for others. And I really, really love that you are focusing on an area that I think will impact a lot of our listeners today, yeah. uh, both the female and the male. Even if you are focusing on male, I think a lot of women need to hear this and need to acknowledge um, how there are certain specificities that we need to also know and take into consideration. So first of all, Adil Hussain, you've taken your journey to become a mental and physical health and wellness coach. Okay, so I'm just going to keep it at that without mm-hmm. going into what exactly, because I'd love you to tell me why you chose this path mm-hmm. and tell me a little bit more about this journey. Where were you before that and how did you get to this? So actually, my career was working with the British government uh, back in London. I worked in procurement, so it's not a very uh, exciting role. My job was to buy things for hospitals, um, which felt very fulfilling, actually. Everything I bought was going towards saving lives. Um and then moving into kind of more uh, public health England, bringing companies like PwC and Deloitte, so bringing in people. But either way, it wasn't really my calling. It was just something that I did because it, it you know, it, it brought me money. Let's put it that way. Paint a bit of context to why I do what I do. I grew up with a very strong Pakistani dad. And he made me feel that I, and this is not his fault, but this is just how I felt, um, that I was not good enough as a young boy. He was very tough, very strong, very confident, very macho, alpha male. And I was the complete opposite. I was super soft. I was so timid. I was good at school. That was my thing. Like I was just very, very smart. Um, but I was bullied as a kid. Um, I was quite chubby. And growing up in London at the time in the 80s and 90s, I uh, was quite also quite racist. So I, got, I, I suffered racism uh, for looking the way that I did. So I, even as this went into my teenage years, I, I typically felt that I wasn't very manly. I wasn't masculine. And I, if I look back now, I can look back and reflect and think that I would do things to make me feel more masculine. So I took out credit cards in my twenties and I would spend to make me feel like a man. You know, I, I, if, I, if I have money, it looks like I'm the guy, I got it. Um, I would, you know, just try and be with as many women as possible and just try and kind of flaunt that area of my life. Um, and I would also deal with my emotions through things like emotional eating, which is not very masculine, but that's how I dealt with how I felt. I was super mm-hmm. shy. Um, I didn't feel very, I wasn't very attractive. Um, 
my my best friend was like this beautiful man. He got always got all the ladies, and I always felt very insecure. My brother as well, especially beautiful, um, and uh, I just felt like I wasn't enough. And so when my physique did change, which it did because a lady that I liked told me that she liked someone else because he had biceps and he had abs. And as much as she wasn't telling me this to put me down, it obviously made me feel pretty worthless and pretty low. So from that day, literally the next day I joined the gym, I joined the gym and it became, it became my life at 19 years old. I joined the gym and it became who I am. And I transformed into this man that did look different and did become more attractive or more desirable to, to ladies. And that's when I went a little bit crazy with all this attention, all this love. And a part of me that I feel not as ashamed to say as I used to, but I wouldn't be very faithful to my partners when I was in relationships. And I didn't really quite understand why, but I just felt like I needed more love and more attention from every place possible. Um, so I wasn't a good man. I was doing things behind the scenes that aren't okay. And even if the infidelities are just texting or it's, you know, it's uh, um, maybe dancing with someone, it's not necessarily going all the way into something, you know, deeper, it is still an infidelity and it's not okay. But no one checked me. I didn't have any reason to. I just continued. Until one day, when dealing with a very difficult situation at home with my mum and having cheated on my girlfriend and she found out, it was a very, very difficult time for me to handle. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to repair my relationship, handle what was going on with my mum. And then I got kicked out of the family home. Wow. At what age? 31. So even backtracking before, my parents divorced when I was 17 and I left university to come home and live with my mum and my sister because I felt that I had to be at home. You know, so I didn't, I didn't want to be there. I felt like as a man, how can I be a man living at home with his mum? You know, as much as culturally it's not quite acceptable for the, for the man to be at home or the boy, I was brought up in London and more of my friends had moved out and they were living out at university and I didn't have that experience. And to deal with that time, this is what I mean. I would go to spending, I would go to ordering things on eBay, shopping, um, not eating the right foods. And I didn't feel like I, I had it all together. So fast forward now to age 31, when I'm kicked out of my family home, I had a real mixture of emotions of relief that I can find. I'm going to go to resentment. How can you do this? This, We don't do this in our our culture. You don't kick kids out. This is not normal. Um, But mum was going through a hard time. She didn't know what to do. And and we, I had exposed her to her family about some things that were going on at home because I couldn't take it anymore. I needed help. And she just couldn't face it. So I left. And when I left and going through this very, it was like a heartbreak from my mom and a heartbreak from my, from my partner, two strong females in my life. I ran away. I went to Morocco. I went to, uh, I went on a retreat and it was a yoga and surfing retreat. And I picked this because I wanted to be around, excuse anyone listening and please just accept this. I wanted to be around older white people. Okay. (laughs) Because I just felt like that's where I needed to be. I didn't want to be around any kind of temptation or anything. I wanted to be around older white people that were just down with the yoga and just maybe a bit more spiritual than, than I was. But on this retreat, I met this lady called Kate, who was a Reiki healer. And I had no idea what Reiki was, zero. But I was such a vulnerable place that I felt that, you know what, I had nothing to lose. Let me just see what this woman has to say. And so she said to me, I want you to trust me and everything that I'm about to do with you. I just surrender. And I said, fine. So what was supposed to be a one hour session became a three hour session because we just kind of went into it. And I later found out that what we went through was called a family constellation, which is where the person that I'm with, which was the Reiki healer, 
kind of takes on the energy of a member of my family. And when it was happening, I, I was trying not to laugh. Like really, I felt a little bit stupid. Like what, what am I doing here? But there was a moment where I moved this lady to a, a place in the room and she twisted into a ball on the floor and she started crying. And she said, I want you to speak to me as if I'm your mother. I was like, okay. And as I started speaking and she was asking me questions and I was relaying as if I'm speaking to my mum, things were coming out of me that I didn't realise that I held. Anger, like resentment, hate, like really strong emotions towards my mum that were coming out. And I felt a lot of shame as I was saying it, but it also felt really relieving to say it out loud. And what I realised was that I was carrying all of this pain and I could make, and I made the connection between how I felt towards my mum, having not received the love that I needed from my mum as a young, as a young boy, and the way that I treated my relationships, and the way that I treated women in my life, where no amount of love was enough from anyone that I was with. So I always saw extra love and attention from it around me, which of course is is not okay, and it caused a lot of pain and a lot of heartbreak and, and heartache. I've definitely broke a few hearts, and I'm not proud of that at all. When I came out of this, this session, I realized a few things. I realized that one, I need to forgive my mom. And by doing so, it will relieve me and her of this pain and anguish that we felt for all these years. Um, because my mom just did the best she could. She did the best she could with the, with the tools that she had and the upbringing that she had. And rather than try to seek and look for more love, um, the answer was to be more loving. And that's what I decided to do. In addition, I realized that I could have been a lot worse in who I was as a man, how I felt, the sadness, the depression. And one of the key reasons why I felt that way was because I didn't speak up. So I made this connection between, okay, what I didn't get from my mom and, and why I treated women the way that I did. You know, why I didn't have that same, that level of respect that I could have and should have had, and which was quite a profound moment. And then the Reiki here did something really interesting. She, she gave me this sound bowl and she said, this sound bowl represent all the love that you gave your mom that you didn't, that you need for yourself. And I want you to take this bowl back from, from me and give it to yourself. At this point, I just burst into tears. I start crying. And I was like, how can I take this back from you? Like you need it. And she said, no, I don't. I'm good. I'm okay. You know, I did, I, you did everything you could, but you need this now. And so I took the bowl fully surrendering now to this moment. And I instantly felt this lightness lift from my shoulders. Like I really felt so light. And then she gestured to me to come and like sit with her and I sit with her and I lay my head on her lap and she just strokes my bald head for like five minutes. And I'm just like crying into her lap. And it really felt like I received love from my mum, you know? And so during all of this was happening and I had a bit of a, a moment afterwards, I realized that my mum did the best she could. I put so much pressure on myself and on her to be this person that I thought that she should be. But my mum was going through a lot. And even during all that time, she did, she did the best she could with the tools that she had, with the upbringing that she had. And in that moment, I just let go of so much of that resentment. And I realized another thing that I could have been a lot worse in how I felt in my mind, in my heart. I could have been severely depressed. I could have gone into very, very dark places. And there have been some dark moments in my life. And the main reason why I was like that is because I suppressed so much of my thoughts and my expression and my feelings and I, I vowed from that day to never do that again. And that I want to help men speak and speak up. Because it was this feeling that men don't do speaking. We don't speak up. We don't share our emotions. And we should be Mr. Macho Man and all these things. That's why I was the way that I was. So I left Morocco. I went home. I broke up with my girlfriend. I detached from my mom for six months. 
and I focused on myself and I got a coach. I had a therapist. I read books. I did everything I could to just understand what was happening inside of me. And I had to do it with no female interaction. And as much as it was painful, uh, I had to, because I couldn't go back to them with a sound mind and, and a sound heart in order to articulate what it was that I was thinking and feeling. Um, so I joined a men's group and I joined a men's coach and he helped me to understand parts of myself that I was afraid to say out loud. He poked at me, he pushed me, he, he made me understand that, you know, it's okay not to be okay, but you need to start doing the work. So I brought a lot of things to the surface. And during that period, I realized that I want to start a men's circle. So I did. I started a men's online group and I had men join. And we just, we just talked. I got men to speak up. And by me being the example, it encouraged other men to share. You know, often we find that men, we don't want to talk. But when you see another man sharing, it's very powerful. And now I'm here in Dubai running a men's group called Brotherhood DXB. We're soon to open in Brotherhood Abu Dhabi next month. And we have about 200 men in the group. And that's a quite a long introduction, but that's, that's kind of why I do what I do. No, that's a great introduction. And thank you for being so vulnerable. I think it's a, not only a beautiful story, but an extremely common story in many, many, many cultures and actually quite global. I know that you're saying you had a Pakistani father, you know, Arab fathers are the same. A lot of Indian fathers are the same, but I also find that a lot of you know, American, British, there is this pressure on men to be a certain way. And I have witnessed it a lot with cousins of mine. I have witnessed it a lot with good friends of mine. And uh, you, you don't mention your father in your healing process. Why was it more your mother than your father? Because even though my dad left, he was still around and he was still present. And I have no problem with him because it was my mom who I lived with. It was my mom who I felt didn't pick herself up the way that she should have. He did. He picked up himself. He was fine. You know, he got married again, had more kids. He he was okay. And he was always around. He's always a level-headed kind of grounded man. He still had his, his ups and downs, but I also did repair my relationship with him because we would always kind of butt heads, you know, two men just trying to like my way, my way, my way. But during the pandemic, um, we both got let off, laid off work. And I did connect with him. And what we would do, and I say, because he's also a little bit overweight. I said, Dad, we're going to go on a walk every day, seeing as we're not working. So he went on a 5K walk every single morning, and I would call that therapy time. I didn't tell him, but I would speak to him every morning, and I would ask him questions about his childhood. Because I wanted to understand my little dad, the little boy inside. And this I've been doing work on myself, so I understand now the importance of understanding the child. And so when I got to understand my dad from when he was a child, it helped me understand him as a man. And I realized that he's just a little boy that's scared. That's got all these things that happened to him when he was young. And he's got so many reasons to be really, really, really messed up. I'm just saying like he's, there are so many things that happened to him and it, all it did was give me more compassion. And I did that with both my parents. I understood both of them from my childhood. So yes, he was part of my healing process, but more so it was like me and him healing our little relationship mm. together. And that was me giving more compassion and realizing that, you know, we can do this with everyone. Whenever we have conflict with anyone, if we just understand that there's just a little child inside that's fighting for something and wants something and needs like love, attention, affection, wants to be seen, it can completely diffuse any kind of resentment or anger that we have with anyone. That, that's how I see life now. I can't be angry at anyone because if someone's trying to start something with me or, or, or be argumentative, I just think that they just need some kind of validation. And I'm happy to give it to them. Wow, I'm very inspired and we're just at the beginning.
Adel, you talk about masculinity and going back to your father and, you know, what you talked about, what a boy is supposed to be, what a man is supposed to be. And even in our generation, yeah. I have young kids. I have a lot of friends around me that have young kids. And you'll find, yeah, I like the way he is, but, you know, I tried to push him towards soccer, but he wouldn't play soccer. You know, he has a lot of girlfriends or he's this way or this way because we're all conditioned, you know, coming back, no matter how much we want to reshape that. and. I'd love to hear from you after all your experience and the work that you've done and the experience you've had with other people, how do you define masculinity today? You know, and, and what mm, kind of, and question. you know, the impact on your mental, your mental and physical health by being a man. And I know that you've referred to, and I have to agree with this because I have a brother and I have a husband and I see how much more restrained they are to express themselves um, you know, uh, openly or to seek therapy. And a lot of men tend to go through extreme measures to deal with these, such as extreme sports or even extreme spiritual journeys. You know, like if you look at the ayahuasca journeys, you'd see there's a lot more men than women doing it. So I just wonder, what, you know, from your view. So I'll start with the definition of masculinity. Um, because I feel I did struggle with this as growing up because of what I saw, what masculinity was, was just strong men. Uh, it was men that were good with ladies. It was, you know, how they dressed. It was physiques that would look like abs and six packs and muscles. And as now I've, I've done more work in this area, I feel like masculinity is a frame. It's a way that a man holds himself and carries himself. It's dependability. It's structure. It's making people feel safe. It's being a man of your word. It's having integrity and honesty. It's following through on the things that you're going to do. You know, it's upholding society and civilization in a way that is for the greater good. It can hold the feminine. It can hold, uh, a feminine can be, you know, doesn't just mean women. It just means that kind of that nature of, I don't know what's happening or chaos and, and risk and just say, okay, we can do this. This is how. We will, I have a, a lid, I have a container of what my emotions are. I know how to process them. I know what they are. I can articulate it. I don't lose myself in vices. You know, it's it's that purpose and direction. Um, all of these things for me mean masculinity. You know, and again, men and women can hold all of these these, these things together. But if I'm thinking of a man in his masculine, it's knowing that he's got it together. And other people can see this in him. Is this your view of what, you would like masculinity at its best to be versus what you feel the, the majority of the way masculinity is perceived and, and, and acted Correct. upon is what? Look, so that for me is like healthy masculinity, right? But that's what I just see. That's masculinity what it is. When, I, when we see what's happening in the world or what men are like, I don't even define that as being masculine. That's just a man doing something. He's not really behaving very well. But I can't call that masculinity. That's why I don't believe in the phrase toxic you masculinity. Don't. I don't believe in that. No, because I feel like we have toxic behaviors. But masculinity, by definition, is like this. This is how I feel these qualities. Yeah, we can call it healthy and whatever. But I feel like when we're using, we're throwing around the word toxic, which is now used by everyone for every reason. He's toxic. She's toxic. toxic that was toxic. Like, like, take it out of your vocabulary. Just see how life changes for you when you use different language even, you know? So I understand that, you know, there are a lot of people that have been hurt by be, by the behavior of, of men, but I would not say that they will be masculine in any way whatsoever when they're behaving in those ways. That's how I, that's how I take that. Mm -hmm. But do you believe that 
And again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to put it all in one box, but women tend to have higher emotional intelligence than most men. And when you say the feminine in men, is that what you also mean? Is it the vulnerability, the emotional behavior, etc.? Yeah, I, I feel like the, the ability to connect to mm. your heart, it shouldn't, in my mind, be a masculine or a feminine thing. But I find that women are, are better at doing so, being in that vulnerable state. And I do think that's a, that is a very feminine trait, you know, and when men are able to access that they, and they could drop into the feminine, which means being a bit softer, a bit more vulnerable, that feminine is just a beautiful thing that then when a man can access that, that for me, when I think about the term, like a real man, a real man can access this energy and this feeling and be soft and let him go through that, go through those processes of emotions and, and, and come out the other side and then say, this is what I felt. This is what I went through. And I'm, so, Adil, when you're talking about that masculinity in today's world, uh, a lot of men, like you said, are being called um, toxic. There is all these terms, you know, patriarchal, toxic, uh, you know, and, and all of that. How does that impact, first of all, their mental and physical health? Um, you know, what are men trying to prove today in this world that is putting a lot more pressure to be vulnerable, a lot more pressure a lot more having women at the forefront, you know, how, how does that work in your world? I think there's been a negative impact on, on men throughout the ages because they have associated masculinity with being stoic and quiet and strong and persevering, not telling one about how they're feeling, going through hard times and hardship and then maybe feeling that they have to be a lone wolf. Um, they can't express what's going on or they find vices, so addictions or things coping mechanisms that aren't healthy for them, you know, which, which might be like, I think you mentioned earlier, like uh, extreme sports, which isn't the worst thing, but it can have detrimental effects. Um, it can be um, substances that help them just kind of numb what they're going through. It could be emotional eating. It could be gambling. And it's, it's a way of numbing or distracting, even just distraction, even going to the gym. You could say that was a very healthy coping mechanism, but sometimes it can, it can, it cannot be, uh, you know, it can go the other way. Um, and there was a study done in Australia where they kind of talked about this stuff with, with, with thousands of men, a huge study, and they come up with this thing called the man box. And the man box was all these like set of strict rules that men are supposed to be uh, fit into and live by that meant that they were a man. And this is what men said and how they expressed themselves as to what they felt a man had to be. Like, you know, that said strong, stoic, not share your emotions, men don't cry, toughen up, be a man, all this kind of thing. So you can imagine now the men that are that way what they must be going through and what they're dealing with. But imagine the men that are not that way and how they feel like they're not a man and how they might overcompensate, which was me, right? So you've got it, you're running it on all sides. This is why we have like excessive violence and aggression. We have the poor treatment towards women and children, all sorts of wars. Why do wars start? There's crazy men that just haven't got their shit together, in my opinion, right? They don't know how to um, navigate their own emotions and they haven't got themselves together. They're not grounded. They're not in touch with their emotions. Look at what's happening around us. These are not healthy men in, in any way whatsoever, you know? But if, imagine if they were more emotionally intelligent. Imagine if they were... Uh, more aware of, of how they felt and what was going on and they processed their emotions from the past. Uh, who knows where the world would be right now? So the mental health of a man is severely affected when he's not able to access his emotions and process them effectively yeah. because he thinks that being a man is set by the rules that are being governed for, I don't know how or where, for where it came from um, for years and years and years and it needs to stop now. Brotherhood 
DXB's origins. You you talked to us about why you started it. Tell us how it started and how you started getting people. Who was your first um, community member? And um, and again, I'm sure it was really hard getting men to want to be part of a community like that. <laughs> so, so hard. So I had this idea, and when I started it in London, it was called Not Just a Man because I felt like we're more than just men. Like you know, when there's more to us. And then when I came to Dubai, I was like, I need to create something which means a group. And I literally, this is all I do. I started uh, coaching and I started Brotherhood DXB. And so I didn't have like a job. I have to go, I have to go for all in on this. Um, and it started with an idea and it started with, I did a, a little men's group with just some friends. And we had it in this place called Ula Lab, which is a little perfumery. Oh, in, I know uh, it. Al Cal, yeah. yes. Yeah, so it was there, and like I, don't, I can't remember even how I met the guy, but he said, "Oh, come and use come and use our space. We get you, you know, whatever discount." And I had like six, seven men, and I remember reading the meditation. I was so nervous. I read the meditation. So the way that I run the circle is that we sit in a circle, and I do a meditation to kind of ground the energy of the room, and then we all have a little check in about how we're doing, how we're feeling. But after that set, that first one, then there was no more. And what I would do is I'd organize it on meetup.com and I'll just say, all right, men, we're having a meetup in the park. I'll bring the tea and just come and let's have a chat. And I would sit in Suffer Park waiting for men to come and no one would show up. Every week I would sit there with my karak waiting with all my cups and no one, no one would come. I talk about it on my Instagram and everything. And I wasn't really well, that very well known like three years ago now. And it was a real struggle. And I found myself every week hoping that no one would come. Like I got to that point now where I used to get ang- anxious and, and feel like maybe this is wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this is the wrong country to be doing it in. You know, it's even more hyper-masculine in, in, in UAE and Dubai, in my opinion, compared to London as an example. But for some reason, I just kept, I kept going. And then one man showed up and then another man showed up and then he would tell his friend. And then before you know it, we had a few people coming. But there was still a lull where it dipped again. And there was a moment where I felt that maybe I need to stop this two years ago. Oh, last year, sorry, last year. Maybe I should stop this. No, men are not showing up and men aren't coming to me for coaching. So they don't come into me for coaching. They're not showing up for Brotherhood DXB. And this is now a part of my identity. I'm like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I've called myself other coaches men on Instagram. Like, this is who I am. So now I'm having like an identity crisis and I have a life coach. And he said to me, maybe you shouldn't be a coach. Oh my God. It hit me so hard. Like, and I'm like holding back. Okay, you know, have you had this like feeling in your throat, like a lump in your throat where you feel like I'm on the edge of something right here? I had this lump in my throat and then I called my dad and we got talking and he's always been this kind of guy. He's like, what are you doing in Dubai? Come home. You know, what, why, are you, why are you there? What are you doing? You do, why are you a coach? You need a coach. I was like, ah, okay. Oh God. It's too much. It's too much. For, it's too much for one day. I put the phone down and I went to the bedroom. And I turned off all the lights, I closed the curtains, and I put on this Icaros music, which is the ayahuasca um, shaman. They play this whistle and, and sh- 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 all these like, you know, sounds. Mm. Intuitively, I just did this. Music on, burnt some sage, lit some incense. Um, I put some loose, loose clothing on and I hit the bed and I start crying. I am crying like a baby, absolute bawling my eyes out. And all, whatever I was feeling, I just let it out and I would speak out loud. Any thought I had, I'd said it out loud. And the things that I was saying were things like, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Like, I'm, a, I'm alone. Because I was alone. I had no, I got no friends, no family here. Even though I'm doing what I'm doing, 
I didn't really have any friends. You know, I didn't have anyone close to me, um, or at least they felt like they were far and I felt alone. And so I allowed myself to go through this process. And then I had a vision for some reason of me shaving my beard. And I was like, ah, why, why do you want me to shave my beard? And then I passed out really weird, but I had visions. I was seeing things, you know, during this process. And then I woke up in the morning and I shaved my beard. I just took it off. I said, whatever, maybe this was supposed to be. And I was like, baby face, look, 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 I look like an egg. But it's like, <laughs> that same morning, I looked open my Instagram and I had a message from this guy that said, I see what you're doing. I think we've got some competition, but I think we should, we should meet up. I want you to run um, an event with us called Men Don't Cry. And it was these guys from the Mentality podcast. And these two boys from London who have started a podcast about for men. And they reached out to me. And I ended up running with them, uh, being the host of their event called Men Don't Cry, which was a panel. To- and imagine the night before, I'd just been crying my eyes out. And the next day, <laughs> I host this event for Men Don't Cry. And it was, a, it was almost like a reaffirmation that, okay, I'm on the right path. And that God is watching over me and saying, haha, don't give up. I'm just testing you, but please continue. And so I, I did. And with that belief and with, you know, there's still some hiccups on the way, I continued. And the men that join me are the men that are inspired by me being vulnerable because they see that I'm developing something and I'm not afraid to say how it is. So on my Instagram, I'm happy to be on my phone and saying, guys, this is what I felt today. This is what's happening. And this is what I went through. I'm very comfortable being vulnerable. And I look like this. So I don't look like one of these hippies with long hair and full of tattoos and sitting in Tulum. No, I'm like you. I'm an everyday person. You know, I've been in the office. I lived, I worked in the government. Um, I work out, I train, I have the same things that you're going through. I'm just like you. I'm not some someone that's better than you. I feel like I'm the bridge between maybe some of those guys or even therapy, because therapy is like, it's, if for most men, is a far cry away from what they, they want to do. So how about this? How about come and see me? And we just have a little, a little conversation. And then we see what we can go from there. And I will help you speak your truth, because that's what's missing. And the reason why I do what I do is because men are hiding away from what they really feel and what they really think. And a man's truth is so suppressed because he thinks he has to be someone all the time. He's always someone to someone else. But who is he to he? He doesn't even know what he's supposed to be as a man for himself. And so most men suppress what they want. And yet they're still called selfish. A lot of the men I speak with are struggling with being accepted. And they're the one that don't even accept themselves. Being accepted by who? Their friends, their family, their colleagues, the people. Look, mm. Continuous judgment. As a man, we're continuously judged mm. on how well we stand up in society. You know, we are held accountable for our actions so often and it's, there's no, we can't relax. Mm. We find it very hard to relax. I mean, this is, this is interesting that you say that. Then how much of that is the image that you have put of yourself judging yourself based on, you know, the way you grew up? 100%. All, almost all of it, mm. right? Because if you really just were just accepting of who you are and how you were understood where you come from, you wouldn't care so much about all the judgment from everywhere else. You'd just be in your truth. But so many of these men, not just in Dubai, but worldwide, are living double lives. The man that they are out there and the man that they are in their heart and in their head. The man behind closed doors. And that's why often, not often, but sometimes, men go out and do silly things, have affairs, for, as an example, because the man that they can be with that person is a part of them that they wish they could be and one that they could be seen by their partner. This is an example. And I'm speaking from experience. 
this double life thing, this mask, is because there's a difference between the man they are in the day-to-day -day life and the man that they are inside. And often they don't even know what they are inside, but there's still a just uh, um, an a incongruence between the two. That's so interesting. Um, I've been married for nearly 18 years now. So a lot of the things that you, you know, that you refer to is definitely something that I see because I'm married to an Arab man, you know, who puts so much pressure on himself to be the man of the household, to be the perfect father, to be the perfect husband. And, you know, throughout the whole relationship, there were phases and there was an evolution to this that was built on just shedding that mask, right? Shedding that, you know, and saying, you know what, and I'm a working woman. I'm, I'm a partner in this. You know, I don't need you to be strong all the time because I'm not strong all the time. I don't need you to be the sole provider. I can sometimes also provide. I don't need you to one, two, three. And it's it's interesting to see that evolution because many times they see it as weakness. Men see it as weakness to, you know, to say I'm not happy at work or to say that, you know, I'm, I don't I don't feel that I look good. I've gained weight. I hate myself. You know, how many men would actually say that to their partner, but they're thinking it. And that's why I have the men's circle, because the men's circle gives men a safe space to say exactly what they're thinking and feeling, and it will be received without shame, without judgment. So, you know, it's funny because the men that would come, especially at the beginning, they would say, uh, I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to come and see what this is. I'm like, okay, just just come. And then we do the meditation and they're already thinking like, well, some, for some men, the first time they've, they've sat and breathed just in silence, you know, in their life. And they sit there and I'm just, I'm just winging this meditation. And then we all go around, we have five minutes to speak. And I will start. And we, uh, we have this method called PIES, which means I want you to check in physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually. Right? So an area that men don't want to talk about, but let's see what, what comes out. And when one man has shared, we encourage them to um, actively listen. And to use hand signals that show a man that he's listening. Okay, me too. Like hand up. If you say, if you hear something that you also have been through, just hold your hand up. Immediately, you see the relief just drop. And like, oh my god, I'm not alone. It's like me too, right? It's a me, the me too movement for men. It's just put your hand up, and you see that you are not alone in whatever you've been through. And by the time it gets to the guy that said he wasn't going to speak, he can't wait to speak because he realizes that I can't, okay, I can't, and he will speak the longest. And I'll usually give them extra time. Because it's probably the first time they've spoken about themselves without any kind of repercussion or any kind of anything to and fro in maybe in their adult life. Um, and that's really liberating for guys to, to have that. So you mentioned Dubai, and I have to agree. It's just insanity what we're seeing, um, you know, from an image perspective that a lot of men and women, you know, have to keep up with. Um, and it's interesting because the other day I was speaking to a friend of mine and I remember something that happened to me in Montreal because, you know, that's where home is. And when we go in the summer, my teenager, we were driving in the car and is looking out the, out the window and she goes, you know, mom, in Montreal, everybody can find love. And I, it just like was such a strange comment to come out of a 12 year old. And I looked out the window to see what she was looking at. And I could see a couple that's walking. The girl had purple hair and the boy was chubby with glasses. And they were just like holding each other with so much love. 
And I said, wow, that little girl is growing up in such a perfect, you know, between social media and between what she sees physically, where everything is clean and perfect. and Everyone is rich and has beautiful cars and plastic surgery and is dressed like, you know, we don't know what's real and what's not, but that's the reality they see. And that hit me like such a, you know, like, I'm like, thank God that I bring them here from time to time for them to actually see that it's not always that perfect. So you mentioned Dubai and how it's more heightened, you know, what you have to work with here when it comes to men. So tell me more about that, please. So what I'm noticing is that men are fighting to be seen, to be accepted as they are as a, as a, as a man, because everything here is almost like hyperinflated. You know, how you how you are perceived as a man is, is pretty much what you look like, what you dress like, what job you have, what car you have. And so for the majority of men, they don't, they feel like they're invisible. And if we just go to kind of the, the, the you mentioned love and say relationships, it's a very transactional world that we're in, but especially here, you know, women want to be in their feminine and just be looked after. And the men want to be sure that they can look after and also be seen as the guy, but times 10 here in the, in the UAE, you know? And so it's, it's proven to be quite a difficult thing. And what I'm noticing is that these, a lot of these men say some of my, my, my brotherhood and some of my friends or some of my clients who are on like dating apps as an example, they're not getting matches, right? They're not getting seen. They're not getting likes. They're not getting nothing. Imagine what that does to you. So you already don't really have much confidence. And now even on an app like this, who you're being judged purely on how you look, you're not accepted for that. You're not even chosen. And so why do you think that the, the, the pictures that you might see might be sitting on a Lamborghini, uh, flushing a, a watch or, you know, whatever. So everything is, is hyperinflated in, in that direction. Women typically is trying to show how they look and how feminine they are or how, you know, how glamorous they are. So it's just, it's very stereotypical in, in, in how they're perceived. So these men are struggling to be seen. That's the main thing that, I, that I'm finding with, the, with these guys in the UAE. And when they do go out on dates, they just find that it's very much like those people haven't got patience anymore. You know, to, to really see and ride things out and um, it's on to the next one very, very quickly. And you can go back on the app and you can swipe around and it's just an illusion. This These choice that you think you have, oh, on, there's, a, there's another one for me out there. No, it's the illusion of choice. And was that created by these apps or was that created by society? It's a bit of both, but I don't think the apps help. You know, I really do believe that. They started with a really good intention of, hey, you maybe you, you're a bit shy and you, you struggle to go and speak to someone. Let's make this a bit easy for you. But now people don't go. Have, I would rather go up to a lady that I find attractive and say, hey, how are you doing? And I, I have no problem doing that. Right. And I've done it. And it, it, it works out. And if, they, if, if they're single, we can have a conversation. Fantastic. If not, it's OK. Take care. But at least I'm also learning the skill or at least we're getting more confident. So I actually did it once with one of my clients. We were sitting in a, where were we sitting? Cassette coffee shop in um, Alakuz, one of my favorite places. Yes, I love that place. Yeah. And it's always a nice place because there's usually very, very attractive ladies that are also there, right? So I'm sitting with my client and I said, uh, he told me about um, this girl that he likes at the gym and he hasn't spoken to her in three months. I'm like, dude, why? He goes, oh, she's always with, always with her friend and I want to say hi, but I don't know what to say. And I was like, we are stopping this right now. So... We were in the shop, in the, in the coffee shop. And I said, what do you think of that lady over there? She's, he said, oh, she's really, really attractive. I said, you're going to go talk to her now. He immediately started stammering and sweating and drinking water. And he's like, dude, no, I can't go now. I can't. I said, what do you mean? Just go. I said, this is part of your, this is your, this is your lesson today. You're going to get over this. 
And so 10 minutes later, he finally gets the courage to go up and speak to her. And I said to him, say whatever you need to say. You're, you're, the aim of the game is to have a conversation. I don't care. You don't have to get her number. Go have a conversation. So he did. And I had to go get him. He was gone for 10 minutes. I went over there. I said, so sorry. Like I take him away, pulled him away. We sat down and I said, um, so how was that? He said, it was really fine. I said, so what did you learn? He's like, mm, I think I put women on a pedestal and I put them so high and make them so far away from what I'm, I'm able to achieve because I don't really value myself. I'm like, exactly. But actually we're all just humans. She was polite. You had a good conversation. And he said, yeah. I said, this is how we've got to do. And, and I said, we need to be more proactive in facing the uncomfortable situations that will make us stronger in those areas. If you'd like to be more confident with talking to ladies, you have to go do it and you have to fail at it and you have to be a little bit, you have to suck a little bit. It's fine. But imagine the more you do that, the more confident you become. And for me, I work with a lot of guys on confidence and confidence is just competence over time. The more you do something, the more confident you become, the more confident you become. And so whenever they come to me, mm. like, I want to be better with women. I'm like, cool, let's work on your confidence. Let's get you uh, thinking better. Let's get you becoming more intellectual. And whatever. sometimes I see these get these men. I'm like, are you even ready for a relationship? Do you even want a relationship? Yeah. Can you ha do you actually want a relationship or do you just want someone to spend some time with? Are you looking just for some intimacy? Are you lonely? So when they come to me for these things and I really drill down, I realize that you know they're not they're not ready for relationships. And most men, they, if they were being really honest, they'd say, I just want to have some fun. I'm like, why don't you just say that? And they say, well, then they, they wouldn't want to be with me. I'm like, well, then you're, you're lying to them. You're lying. You're, you're just, you're, and I say this again from experience, right? I would date multiple women back in London. I was just on dating apps. I was dating all these women. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't tell them that really, I'm not looking for a relationship. Eventually I'd fall into one because there's one that I like out of all of them. Um, but if men were just honest, and when I speak to my, my female friends, and even I have some female clients that I'm working with, they say the same thing. If he was just honest, let me make my mind up as where I want to go with that. Maybe I do just want that same thing. Honesty. This is also another interesting one. I, I, you know what? You when you were talking, I just had an aha moment because, again, I mean, I'm I'm older. I definitely dated at a time where the apps did not exist, mm. and what you're talking about is just how we met. So it's just insane that you would say the majority of people are not meeting by chatting up, you know, a girl or a guy or just you know trying to get to meet them somewhere. And it's, just, I mean, I just think about my kids and how that world is completely transformed. Yeah. And then you edit your image and you get chosen based on an image, but then you don't want to meet that person because you're worried that they're going to see that you don't look like your image. And <laughs> exactly. spending a lot of time, you know, with um, men, friends lately. And I realized we think that women have body image issues. It's unbelievable how men have severe body image issues. And I talk about men, I and mean, I'm not talking about men that should have, you know, body image issues. I'm talking about men that are fit, men that eat well, they're never happy with the way they look. Yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that with your clients? You know, what are, what's your approach to this? Yeah. So I encourage men to be around people and it, situations where you can be as, uh, you can expose your body a bit more. So say, for example, going to like, the ice bath, going to the beach, just getting comfortable, just being without your top on as, as much as you can to just get comfortable with it. And also realizing that 
there are so many shapes, so many bodies, and just always, you know, it doesn't really matter. But it comes back to the, how you see your yourself when you look in the mirror. What do you see? And often it's just like the self-loathing, you know. And I, I, I had it a lot, really bad. I was when I was chubby, so I definitely felt that. But even as I lost a bit of weight, I look at my love handles. I'm like, ah, it's still there. Yeah. The hardest part to get, you know. Or like I look at my legs, and I wish that my legs were bigger. Or, or hair, like I'm a hairy guy, right? Really hairy. And for so many years, I would shave, like trim my body hair. Right. I, I didn't. I did. I hated it. I just thought I'm not attractive with body hair. And like now, when I here in the UAE, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel so liberated because like everyone's hairy. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I could just be this hairy man. Um, but so, so one is accessing this kind of the self love element. Like, let's let's learn to love ourselves. Let's look at ourselves in the mirror and just and just make uh, time to appreciate you know, where, how far you've come. And, and equally, if there are things that you do want to work on, you do it from a place of like love and health and fitness, and you want to be healthy, and not because you want to lose weight, because you want to get attention or you want to be seen a particular way. And the more time we spend, like, for example, coming to men's circle, men are different shapes and sizes. We all take our tops off. We all just kind of like be in that, in that environment. You realize that one, we all have hang up, but two, no one really cares, you know? And like, I go to this ice bath every single Sunday. So before I came here, I was at the ice bath and we were pretty much half, you know, naked at this ice bath. It's everyone, all shapes and sizes. And being in that environment is so liberating because you just feel like we are just who we are. We just happen to be souls in some skin. You know, what does it matter? It doesn't actually matter. But how do you get, how do you get them to achieve that? Um, you know, g- give me a story, give me a transformative story that you have of some, you know, obviously without naming names, yeah. but somebody that you've had big impact on their work, on their life. hundred percent. So one man, I was, remember I was about to start a, a six week program with my boys and I've, I got a phone call. They obviously didn't know what the, what the number was. 971 picked it up. He said to me, I've been looking for a masculinity coach and I found your name online. I was like, okay, how? Because I found it on the Khalid Times and I Googled you. I was like, wow, that, that stuff works. Anyway, he called me. He said, dude, I'm on the, I'm on the brink. Like I can't handle life anymore. My wife wants to leave me. Um, I'm, I'm depressed. I don't want to live anymore. And you're like my last hope. I think, oh my God, that's a pressure. The pressure. Wow. I said, listen, mm. I'm about to go do something right now, but I'm going to come see you next week. Okay. It's in like Monday. This was, he called me on Saturday. I said, you hang in there. I'll see you on Monday. He said, okay. I met this man. He was like, you know, he cowering in his, in his physique. He was very uh, inside himself, very insular, quite overweight, uh, very chubby. Um, didn't take care of his clothing or anything like this. He just so soft and very, I don't know, just, he was not okay. I said, two things you're going to do now. One, you're going to meet me every week, same time, same place every week. We're going to, we're going to work together. And you, for now, you just got a place where you can just get what you need to get out from your heart and your mind to me. And we'll work from there. Second thing you're going to do is you're going to get your, your health and fitness together. I said, maybe you can't see the impact right now, but I need you to go and commit to a gym or a PT and just commit to it. Because trust me, because what he was suffering with was this rejection from his partner. Many, many years, they got a yeah. child together. His masculinity is, is done. He is, was told, I don't see, I'm not attracted to you. I don't find you masculine. Imagine. That's why he looked at masculinity coach, which is what I work with. And all masculinity, again, is truth. It's, 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 it's integrity. It's honesty. And first of all, you come back to yourself. So I said, I know exactly how to help you. We're going to get you just feeling better. And all you need to do is trust me. And he said, I trust you. Just please, just help me. And so he would come back every week and talk to him about scenarios at home. And I'd help him navigate the scenarios um, to him, between him and his wife. 
And all it really was was him coming back to himself and not kind of reacting to situations, but to see how it feels within him and to come to me with it and just for him to understand why she's behaving that way. She didn't see him like a man because he wasn't behaving, you know, in a way which made her feel safe. So she didn't feel safe at home. Mm. She felt that, you know, she couldn't rely on him. All these little things were happening. So I said, all you're going to do is focus on you being a man of your word, having integrity and doing the necessary things as a husband and as a father day to day, regardless of what she thinks and feels right now, and whatever she throws at you and all the hurtful words, you're going to focus on just being a good man and you're going to focus on getting your health in check. And you're going to come to Brotherhood DXB every single week. And so by him sharing every week, by him working with me, by me giving him that instant feedback on certain things, by him working on it and acting on it and getting his fitness in check, this guy went from this chubby guy. He's got bigger muscles than me now. He's leaned out so, so much. He's super confident. He got a new job, which doubled his salary. He, his wife, they're still getting a divorce, by the way, because actually he, rela- he realized his worth in this whole scenario where he doesn't feel like he has to um, prove himself anymore. She's seen the transformation so much that she's, she sent me clients. Okay, so I know his wife. She's like, wow, this man, I cannot believe it. I'm getting now other men and people coming to me and saying, what did, you, what did you do to him? How is he like this? He said, you know, it's been six months. He's made such a transformation. It's just a short period of time that I, I'm, I'm super proud of him. He, you know, he, he has really, he's my, <laughs> he's my greatest uh, transformation, I would say. I love to hear stories like that. One thing that you keep on uh, referring to, and there is no shame in saying it, because I do feel that uh, there has been so much, uh, I don't know if it's the Western messaging, I don't know if it's very PR, but there's so much about accept yourself the way you are, which I totally respect. But there's also, and I know this because I always put myself through a lot of wellness and health journeys, there is no way that I feel stronger. I I always feel the strongest when I'm the healthiest. And I'll always say that whenever I'm at my best physical, I'm not talking just from an appearance, but the appearance matters a lot because I love it when I fit in the clothes that I love. I love it when I wake up in the morning and I feel like I'm not bloated and that my skin looks great. I feel better, right? I don't, And I, and I am the type that really doesn't give you know, a damn about what people think I look like, because I know when I look good, right? I know when I feel good. And there's so much that body positivity, except yourself, but you have referred to a lot of the fitness bit and getting people into shape as part of your program and your coaching. Tell me what, does that really matter? And is that something that you push everybody to do? 100%. I'm all for accepting, love, love your body. What I don't want anyone to do is hate themselves. Like don't. But if there's a level of that you want to change, like I said, go change mm-hmm. it. If you know, you know if you're healthy or not. You know, I saw a man, a really overweight man in Dubai Hills Mall. His three-year-old was running towards the escalator. And I swear that he could not run off with the child. Luckily, someone got the kid. That kid was gone. Okay, that would have fallen down. Would have been, would have been a disaster. And I was like, well, we should not be ever in that state. So... Another reason why I'm a, I'm a big fan, one, we, we can do more as a man to protect the world, protect our family if we're fit and healthy, one. And also we can take care of ourselves, which means we're going to be able to do more. You know, nothing means more than your health. Mm-hmm. Because without your health, there's no job, there's no money, there's no family, there's no career. There is zero. Our health is wealth. One. Next thing. When you take care of yourself and your health, your mental state is, is, is astronomically 
more Im improved. All right. It shows you a level of discipline that you have for yourself that you can carry into other parts of your life. And personally, for me, it was the gateway towards all the things of my life and my confidence. When I fit in my clothes, when my muscles pop through my shirt or someone says to you, hey, I like your body or you look great. It does feel good. You know that I can I can be this way. And like you said, it feels nice to, to feel good in my clothing. Because I remember the day when I was trying to buy a suit and I was a size 36 or 38 waist at 19 years old. And I was crying in the changing room. I was like, how am I this guy? How? Yeah. The trials are length was this long, longer than what it needs to be just because the waist was so big. I'm like this 45-year-old obese, middle-aged, whatever man in his clothing, but actually I'm only 19. I just thought this, is, this, this should not exist. So I'm not a fan, to be honest, of just everyone can be overweight and everything, and it's, and it's okay. I, I, don't, I don't. I think, you know, it would be good for you to, to work on that. And when I see men that make physical transformations, their mindset improves, their mental health improves. They're, they become a beacon and inspiration to others. They walk differently. They talk differently. They, it improves them in tenfold. And on, on, that, on that, and I know this is not an, an episode on this, but I really have seen a rise a lot and in Dubai of men using these um, injections to lose weight. Are you seeing this within your community or no? No, not, not within my community because I would never advocate that. Never do anything that's the easy way. Come on. Because if you take that route, you haven't learned, you haven't understood how, how your body works. Take time to understand. Go inside. How am I feeling? Like you mentioned the being bloated. Why are you bloated? What are you eating that your body can't handle? Understand. Understand what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. Un know how your body works. Know how your mind works. If you're taking an injection to lose weight, same thing with the gastric band. You haven't understood the relationship between you and your emotions and food. So you may have a gastric band, it reduces it, you remove it, and then you go back to being obese again. The same thing with liposuction. You will just get fat again. I'm so sorry. You, you end up putting the weight on. Build a better relationship with yourself, your health, your food, and your emotions, and watch everything change. Adil, we started this episode by you speaking about how you were brought up and really starting with the conditioning of, you know, what a man is supposed to be. So there's two parts to this question. You referred many times to the fact that a man protects and a man is a protector and masculinity is about that. Is that something that you feel comfortable saying? Is it something that is okay to accept? And this is how men are created, one. And two, what advice do you have for fathers and mothers of boys in order to really start at the beginning of this journey of you know confidence and vulnerability so on the first question there are always going to be a spectrum of masculinity between within a man or and across men and it's very easy for me to get like cancelled for like saying and how i feel about certain things and i had to i also had to reckon with this within myself and i do feel that if a man wants to be feel more manly then this is the avenue that he can take if he is comfortable being in his skin and being more feminine, completely fine. What I notice within relationships, as an example, is that if a woman wants to feel more feminine, but she's with a feminine man, it does not work. Okay. There has to be this polarity between the two. And that's what I'm noticing when I speak to men and women, especially when I'm working with some couples. This is what I'm noticing. 
So how can I encourage men to be more masculine? It's like, you know, taking more direction, leading, leading themselves, first of all, doing some of the harder things, being around more men. I can push them in that, in that kind of area. Mm. Ladies, I can speak to them and say, can you let go a little bit, please? Can you let him lead? You don't have to decide everything. You might have to let him fuck up a few times, sorry, mess up a few times so he can um, uh, learn. But if you always mother him, then he's not going to learn. So it's both, okay? It's both the men and the women. So I feel very comfortable talking about how men can tap more into that masculinity and, and be more masculine. And again, there are some women that are also really comfortable being in that space and they own it, okay? And sometimes you've got to tap into that masculine energy. You have to go out there. When you're in your business meeting, you've got to tap into some of that kind of fire, that kind of like drive, direction, passion, purpose. You've got to go for it. And then you go home, maybe you're a bit more maybe with the kids. You can be more nurturing and, and create the home, all of that stuff. You have to flow. So it, it goes kind of both ways. Now, when it comes to kids, there's a few things that I, that I highly recommend. And a lot of women are doing, a lot of families are doing this, putting their kids into like sports and different classes and learning instruments and all that. Let them do everything. I say, let them try everything. Get them off their phones, okay, and, and get them out doing real things in real life. Getting them using their hands. Boys these days are not using their hands for anything playing video games. But if you're out there and get curious, explorative, go do things that involve nature, you will find a natural thing that will come out of them. And again, not for everyone. Some Again, some boys will become more feminine. That's completely fine. There's no right or wrong. But whatever feels more natural. But give them the opportunity to experience all of it. You know, mm-hmm. boys should be spending time with their fathers too. There are a lot of women that I know that, you know, they, they are single moms out in, in, the, um, in, in Dubai, in the UAE. Having healthy male role models is so, so important. That's why if you get your kids into like a sport where there is a male coach, it can, it will go a long way. Mm-hmm. If you have really good male friends that you, that you trust, that you are, you see to be good men and good role models, encourage that kind of, you know, um, friendships and relationships and, and hang out together. So they can see that. And what often happened is that, and I grew up with my mom, right? So that's why a lot of my feminine energy was very high and I overcompensated. I left my mom and my sister. So it had twofold. One, it meant that I was great at listening and I was great at understanding women. And when they're on their menstrual cycle and all these things, I understood all of it. But two, it meant that I wasn't very masculine in my, in my approach and I would be, if you use the word that's going right now, more toxic in my masculine, okay? So unhealthy in my masculine. Um, so, when you've got young boys, having them around other boys and other men is so, so crucial. And so to the men listening, I know you've got a lot of work to do. I know you've got to bring that money in, but please spend time with your boys or your kids in general, but your boys will need you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they will need you. The school system is typically more feminine than, than masculine. So if eight hours, nine hours of the day, they're at school, um, more so around uh, feminine education, then there has to be a balance somewhere. So how the future of, you know, you started uh, Brotherhood DXB three years ago. And so I'm sure that, you know, you're a very ambitious uh, man and you're very passionate about what you do. Where do you seeing it go? Good question. So as I mentioned earlier, we're launching Abu Dhabi. So we're going to have Abu Dhabi start this year. Um, so there'll be circles starting out there. How many members are you today? We're about 200, or no, maybe 190 members now. Um, so we're, we're growing strong. Even Abu Dhabi already has about 10. So that's, that's, that's great. There were all these 10 before we've even started. Um, so we have that moving. Where I would also like to go this year are like mass men's retreats. So I, want, I really want to build that out this year as well, taking men away and almost like an integration uh, of man. 
And the reason why I say this is because I feel like initiation. Men don't have an initiation from boys to men. In the UK, you're told at 18, hey, you're a man now. Like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Women will go through a biological, physiological change that moves them from a girl into a woman. They're allowed to, they, they, they can now bear children. Men do not have this in any way. The initiation of boys to men is through adversity, hardship, and that tribal kind of mentality. And that's why, you know, tribesmen would go into the jungle with a 13-year-old kid, and that kid will go through some stuff. And he would come out a bit more mature and he'd grow up. We don't have that anymore. So I want to create retreats around this that, that will initiate men into manhood. You know, I'm not going to make them kill a tiger, but we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> and what about a father and son type yeah. of activity? I'm also working on that. So I want to have more father-son um, retreats. I'm, I'm speaking with the Bear Grylls camp guys. I want to develop something around, around them in the UAE as well. Um, and also just developing men and allowing them to kind of healthfully express their emotions. But the other thing that needs to happen is one of the pillars of Brotherhood DXB is charity. And I believe that giving back is so, so important. And I want to find a way for us to do that. And not just by giving money. I want us to get our hands dirty. I want us to be part of something that's we're building or grow at, or whatever it might be. I don't know yet. But that, if anyone's listening that can help me out here, we would love to give back, you know, and we want to do that with our, okay. with our hands. And then eventually there'll be a coaching school and a federation and an education system around what we're doing. Um, that'll be more formal, but that's like the five year, maybe three to five year plan. It's always good to have that. I mean, five years is around the corner. Adel, I'm really happy to have met you and to have, because as some of the things that you say could be considered by some as contradicting to what the general movement is of, you know, just be yourself, feminine, masculine, whatever comes. But there are certain uh, traditional, I don't want to call them traditional, but we were born to be, to have certain energies that are overpowering the other energy and to see how we can live it in a very confident and secure way is interesting yeah. you know it's it's an interesting conversation to be had and it's quite unique because i don't feel a lot of people are having that and unfortunately some of the ones that are having it on social media are way too extreme and controversial mm -hmm. and i speak of people like andrew tate for example that has really ruined you know that that has created the toxic toxic masculinity uh, movement mm -hmm. and sadly enough uh, had a, a lot of the young boys at school because they feel they need a role model of some sort that will protect their masculinity maybe are really uh, you know going towards that extreme um, dangerous actually views and, and, and positions of someone like him. That's why it's important for fathers, for uncles for brothers to step up into that role. If you want your sons and daughters to be brought up in a, in a way that is healthy and safe, then you need to be that person. Don't outsource the strength to other people. Don't give them the opportunity to be taught by someone else. This is what I believe in. Mm. There's always going to be someone, even, don't, don't even necessarily listen to me. Find out what works. You know, I'm just another voice and who, people will not also agree with what I say. You know, and again, I told you, like, I can, I can get cancelled for some of the things that I say, but I don't care because I just have my truth and not everyone will resonate. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've also had to learn about myself. Being in UAE, being in Dubai, I was so scared at first to really express what I needed to say. And I'm now moving into a place of just pure, like, just openness, honesty, and, tr and my truth. And I accept that I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I had people say, how can you say toxic masculinity doesn't exist? I don't care. You're allowed an opinion. I have mine. It's fine. Don't Please don't fight me about it. I don't mm -hmm. want to fight, you know?
do some research, find out for yourself, come back to me with love and that's it. I'm good. But we have responsibility for our, for our children and for people of the world. Thank you, Adel. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I loved recording it for you. Reship's community is growing and we decided to dedicate on Instagram a page just for you. You can now find us on Reshape by Rania. Please comment and send your suggestions on the post and of course through the DMs. For any collaboration, you can also contact us there. I really love reading your messages and they often inspire me in curating the seasons for you. Thank you so much for listening. Keep sharing and please stay in touch.